never ceases to amaze me. The worship team sang, All the power, all the glory, I will trust in his name, for my God is the Ancient of Days. And my title is uh, The Surpassing Power and Greatness of God's Power to Persevere and Hope. And it's, it was kind of a theme in the worship service today, too, that Jim addressed the power as well. So I think the Lord's got me on the right track. So let's just open in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for those beautiful songs, Lord, giving you praise, glory, and honor. I just pray now that you would use your power through me to deliver this uh, message, and I pray it's just a blessing. You know, God is in control. His power has no limits. And I think I, I saw this the other day. I think it was demonstrated to me. Mike and I walk the dogs about once a month. And it's never pre-planned, and I always just call up and I say, can we want to walk the dogs today? And he'll say, no, I got something going. Or, yeah, sure, come on down. So I'm thinking about doing it the other day. And then for some reason, just a coincidence, I say, but it's not a coincidence, I didn't call him. And I go, I'm not going to call today. About 10 minutes later, I get an emergency text from Mike. He says, uh, Jessica had a seizure, and she's going to the emergency room. She freezed up. She was not breathing. And Mike recalled his training. Remember the ABCs? Airway, circulation, and breathing. He did the breathing, and she... I was startled and started breathing again, and she's right there today. He protects his people. Had I made that call earlier, Mike probably wouldn't have been there, and Lord only knows what would have happened, what would have happened. So I'm, I'm reading through Acts. And you know me, like police work and ex-law enforcement. There's a lot of stories about, uh, <clears throat> thanks, Jeff, about the uh, criminal justice system and uh, the jail system, the court system, and acts. So I got three three jail stories for you, uh, and <clears throat> they're all they all involve false arrest when the disciples get. Arrested, there is no probable cause, no laws broken. It's usually because they were spreading the good news, the gospel, and it infuriated the Jewish leaders. They turned to the Romans who ran the jail system, and they demanded that these people be put in jail. No probable cause. The only thing they were doing was stirring up all the people in the cities. In those days... As today, law enforcement is all about control when you're taking people into custody. Um, Today, it's all over the news. Whenever a police department messes up, they don't do cell check logs. They have an in-custody death or they lose a prisoner. So we have all these measures. You search somebody in the field, 
you interview them, you take them to jail, they're searched again, they're booked, processed, and then there's all kinds of measures in the jail to make sure they hang on to that prisoner. It's a great responsibility, and it's all about control. Now, these three events, uh, we can learn from them because the Lord used his surpassing power in every one of them in different ways to accomplish different purposes and grow his kingdoms, his kingdom. The first one is in Acts 5, and a group of Paul and the disciples are in the, are in the uh, colonnade there, temple courts, drawing large crowds, uh, healing the sick, and the demon-possessed. And many of them believed in Jesus' name and were saved. And so these Jewish leaders were seething. They don't care that people were getting healed. They were seething because they were getting all the attention. Uh, so what did they do? They got a group of them and they seized them and threw them in jail and posted guards to watch the prisoners. So here's the first night. Here's our Lord's power on, on display here. In Acts five nineteen. <clears throat> but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell them and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin and the full assembly of the elders of Israel and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. The Lord was in complete control in this event, despite this supposedly tight security. The story continues in verse 25. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles back again. Here they go again. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. And here is a key point in Acts 5.29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. What boldness they had. They got arrested. They're in jail. They go out again, do the exact same thing, and they're in the process of getting arrested again. No fear, because they're obeying the Lord. We know that God is all-knowing, perfect, and trustworthy. He's in control, and that's why Peter said this. He gives us, his power gives us hope. He knows where his future lies, Peter. He's not saying, I don't want to get beaten again with the rods and the whips, but he has such a hope in the Lord that he's so bold in dealing with these, uh, these Jewish leaders. Even in the toughest circumstances, as Matthew explains in 1028, 
Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body and hell. He was not afraid of these Jewish leaders because what could they do to him? They could just, sure, they could kill him, but he'd be in heaven in eternity. And that is the ultimate power, and that's why these disciples and, and apostles can do the things they did. None of them ever bailed out. And then he, Peter, on top of that, he says, The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted them to be put to death. So these guys were at their wits' end now. Peter just put them in their place. No jailbreak here, no force, no weapons. Nobody got hurt. And what do you think would happen if you were not that any of you are going to be in a jail tonight? But it's pitch black in these jails here. And the angel of the Lord comes and it shines a bright light. You would be in shock. You'd probably faint too. But they were so used to Jesus's power and seeing what he can do, all the miracles, the word doesn't say anything about, they were shocked. They just, oh, here, here's Jesus right here again. Here we go. Uh, but you remember the people that didn't know the Lord were the guards watching the tomb, Jesus's tomb. And what happened to them? They were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. This jail staff thought by jailing them, locking the doors and securing the cells and having them guarded, they would be in complete control. And they always were and they always would have been had the Lord not been involved. But God has power over locks, doors and guards His power miraculously passed men through these doors and walls unseen or unheard. Just incredible that that, our Lord could do that. You couldn't even think of a way to get people out of jail. Who could even imagine that? Only the Lord could do it. So what did the apostles do on their release? Wow, that that was a close call. Let's go take it easy for a while. No, they didn't do that. They began teaching the gospel again in the same location that they were as the Lord directed. They obeyed Jesus totally. Despite the risks of the punishment, the beatings, and the incarceration again, they obeyed the Lord. Nothing could stop them. Paul wrote, I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. We say, how could these disciples do it? Well, that's the power that they sang about today. And that's the power that he puts in Paul and every believer here today. Same God, same power. We have it. We should do everything we can to use this. The Lord gives us the power to persevere and serve him as well. We think, oh, these are the disciples. They were with Jesus for three years. No, he lives in us. We have that power. We We just have to use it. So now the tables are turned. The Jewish leaders, all these Sanhedrin people, thinking they would get stoned, they let them go. The people had a new way with Christ. They didn't want to go back to the old way, just like everyone saved here today 
doesn't want to go back to the old way. They didn't want to return to that. No way. Fearing for their own safety, the leaders released the apostles and they continue teaching. Another point, the Lord protects his own as he did in this story. He'll do it again this time. The word says, God is a shield to those who put their trust in him. In the 12th chapter of Acts, Herod was one of the worst. He was persecuting Jews left and right, and he actually killed, beheaded. There are several James. I don't know which James this was, but he beheaded James, which delighted the Jews. So he's thinking he's on a roll. Look how popular that this made me. So he's going to try it again. He seizes Peter, another false arrest, and he threw him in prison. I don't know if it's just the language they used, but first story was jail. This is prison. may have been the same facility. I don't know. But usually a a prison has higher security setup than a jail, but we don't know. And he, I guarantee Herod knew about what happened earlier when these guys just disappeared, went through, they were beamed out of the facility. He was aware of that. So this time Herod is taking no chances. He assigned four squads of four people each. That's 16, 16 people to guard one man. That job of those guards was a very risky job in those days. You'll hear about that later. But these men and Herod could not alter God's plan for Peter, even with 16 men. And while he was in jail, the church prayed earnestly for Peter. In Acts 12.6, it says, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. So two chains on you, two watching you, and you're in chains. How in the world does anybody sleep with four people watching you? He was relaxed. He knew the Lord was in control and he's sleeping under those circumstances. Believable because he was honoring the Lord. God had too much power. In Acts 12, 7, it says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Those places were probably pitch black. If anything, they had a little torch. But now a bright light, which is the the luminance from the angel of the Lord, shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and said, Woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Chains don't fall off. You, just, you could drop it, you could hit it with a hammer, you could not open those things. But the Lord can open them. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. How does a gate to a city open itself? You can't, there's no explanation. It went through it because Jesus wanted to open it. And Peter was thinking, 
Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people would hope would happen. What an awesome God. He rescued his again. He protected his people only only in the manner he could do. They passed the guards unseen again. I'm sure these guys were wide awake, but there was nothing to see. They just couldn't see him. Despite Herod's maximum security plan, he could not hold Peter. He could not keep him in jail. Why? Because God had plans, other plans for Peter. And we know what he did after this. He had a just tremendous teaching, as Dean read from, I think, Peter this morning. And he used this incredible power to keep him safe. So the people were still praying. They didn't know he was out of jail. And that when Peter went to Mary's house, they were completely overjoyed. John Mark and Rhoda were there too, all believers. And they were just in disbelief and were amazed. And he told them, tell everybody how the Lord brought me out of prison. Everybody would have been shocked with that. So what happened in the morning? You imagine the commotion in the center of Jerusalem. They're watching the most, one of the most feared disciples, and he's not there anymore. They can't find him. The soldiers were there, were beside themselves. So Herod, he did a complete search, you know, grid search, however they did him then. But they could not locate Peter. And then he cross-examined the guards. Dangerous job. And he ordered that they be executed. I don't know if it was one squad, the four with him at the time, or all 16, but he just killed them all. They had no answer and completely confused. They thought they had complete control over Peter, but no, God did. So Herod, you imagine his pride? Rudy talked about pride today. He was a very prideful man. His pride was wounded. He was embarrassed and humiliated. He was probably the butt of a lot of jokes in Jerusalem. So what did he do? He went to Caesarea. It's a 70-mile journey. And he's there. He still has that high rank. He's ruling over some different people. And he's still haughty and prideful because the people said when he was making a speech, dressed up in royal robes, the crowd said, This is the voice of a God, not of a man. He's still very prideful. We'll see how that worked out for him. In Acts 12, 23, it says, Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. They said it was just a grisly, horrible death that he he suffered from. And the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Herod reaped what he sowed and the god will spread the, the gospel will spread despite, despite man's feeble efforts to stop it you can't stop the gospel it's a beautiful story and peter of course went on to write the, his his letters and serve god and spread the good news and james i said he protected his people james even though beheaded he lives for eternity in heaven with the Lord. His soul was protected. We don't know how many days we're going to have here. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. It's totally true. Life is short. Eternity is long. 
So another point. So we have to persevere just like the disciples did. He works all things for the good. Famous verse here, Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is through thick and thin. He doesn't work everything good. Oh, this is great. Very tough times. A lot of people in here are suffering, and we've had um, all kinds of discouraging news, but we pray, and the Lord, Lord builds us up. He fills us with hope that that power gives us. We have the hope of an eternity with him because we have the promise of salvation. And doing so, we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same power, as I said, the disciples had. This is a beautiful verse that says it way better than I could say it. In Romans fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just a little hope, overflow with hope by the Holy Spirit's power. Okay, third of three jail stories. Same as all the others. False arrest again. This really, the Lord does not like this. And he, his people were seething. Paul was spreading the word like he always does. And the disciples... This fortune teller, a slave woman, she was trailing them and narrating and saying things, and she was a demon-possessed, actually. And after a few days, this woman was a slave. She was working for her bosses, making them a lot of money. I don't know who would throw her money for her, for her narrations, but it was working. So Paul got so annoyed, he turned around and he said to her, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her, talking to the demon. At that moment, the spirit left her. That was the end of the fortune teller's career. When the owners realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas again, no probable cause, and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authority. Very similar, all three of these. And the Jews and the Romans and the crowd that didn't like um, the new way ordered, went into a frenzy and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Horrible. All, the only thing they accused them of was throwing our city into an uproar. Remember that, if they could remember that when they're in hell someday. Boy, I should have listened to those guys. After beating them severely, they were thrown in prison again. And the jailer, I'll bet you he thought, I don't want to be here today. He was commanded to guard them carefully. And he, when he received these orders, okay, we don't, this sounds like a different facility. Because he put them in the inner cell, which is more secure than the outer cell, fastened their feet. This is a new um, control technique as well. They put the metal stocks on their ankles. And the usual allotment of guards. And the jailer, like his predecessors, knew his days were numbered if he lost the prisoners. 
here's the perseverance of people, what the Lord, you say, how could anybody go through this? Despite this brutal conditions and abuse, Paul and Silas persevered. And Paul explains it when he writes, I can do all things through him who strengthened me. Paul could accomplish everything God called him to do. So, another evening in jail, Acts 16.25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. I don't know how that man could possibly be sleeping with the pressure on him. That's amazing. And he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and about to kill himself. He knew, I blew it, I lost him. I'm going to kill myself before these guys come in the morning. He knew he would be killed. But I didn't think he was going to hear this, but he... uh, Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here, all here. That means there's other people beside the disciples. In 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. This guy, he got the message. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? These are prisoners that he had abused, the stocks on his leg. There's one thing, not... You could search for socks in the Bible. You'll never find it. So these stocks were rubbing against his flesh every time they moved. Here's a man who caused all this pain to Paul and Silas. And what does he call him? Sirs. Now they're sirs before they're prisoners. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. The others had to be saved. He didn't mean your whole family is saved right now. He meant, believe in the Lord, you will be saved, and the family has to go through the same as we know. So the jailer was now a believer. He realized by Paul and Silas, their testimony, singing in a dungeon at midnight and praying, He realized the earthquake came from God, and these were God's people. In that moment, I think his life passed before him and his sins as he trembled, and he said, what must I do to be saved? And we don't know about the others, the other prisoners. Maybe they were touched too. When he said, we are all here, they could have had, you know, a dozen of them. Maybe some of them got saved too. This is an example of his quick salvation. At 33, he says, At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, and all his household were baptized. He caused the wounds, he gets saved, and now he's washing the wounds. That's amazing. And in 34, he starts serving. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy Because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household, his burdens were lifted. And the household, after they heard about his singing and the witnessing of their own father now, 
they got saved as well. It's just a, a blessing, this story. And then they were baptized <clears throat> immediately. The Lord again protected his people. You know what he calls believers? He calls us the apple of his eye. You know, they, they, when you read about that, you know, you, you pull in there, it's the apple, and it's protected. You got eyebrows, you got the eyelashes, and you, if you lose your pupil, you're probably not going to be able to see that very sensitive part of your body. So he, he says, we're the apple of his eye. The Lord used an incredible, miraculous way. This time he threw in, a, in an earthquake that demonstrated the greatness of his power. So we have that same power used in all three of these scenarios. We don't have to wait till we're in jail to do this. We could do it little spots here, day in and day out. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to your people when you're walking the dog. Sometimes it just could be a few words, just dropping a seed, inviting them to church, or showing an act of kindness. And what perseverance these men had that we talked about. They continued to trust and obey even after being beaten over and over, where did they draw this strength? From God's power, which enables us to persevere through trials and gives us hope. Colossians, this is just a great pair of verses. In Colossians 1, 11 and 12, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving Joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. We have the same inheritance as the Apostle Paul. No different. That is tremendous what the Lord gives us. We're qualified, if we're believers, that we're qualified to get that inheritance. So if we're, if we're down today, he can break. He's a chain breaker. We've all heard the song, by chain breaker. If we have idols, bad habits, depression, illnesses, his power provides a way of escape. If we trust him and follow him, from everything we face, we can overcome it. But we have to continue to walk, turn to him. And he gives us that incredible hope as long as it, when we persevere and stick with him, he can get us through everything. We have a great God. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this demonstration of your power, Lord. You work these miracles. Incredible. You protect. Thank you for protecting us, Lord, and our souls. We thank you for the inheritance that we have in you to join you someday soon. In heaven, Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.